0: Hello, if you're listening to this podcast, and you have not read the Kingkiller Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss, I urge you to stop listening because you probably won't really understand what I'm talking about. That's not a dig at you. That's a dig at the algorithm that brought you to this podcast before you've read the books. Go read them. They're excellent. If you had read the books, welcome back. Let's get into it. again, friends, for another episode of Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast. My name is RJ, which stands for Righteous Justice, and I'm happy to be back with you potting today from the road from Imre to Traban. We're going to visit Traban and the surrounding area today as we discuss Nina, the young girl Kvoth meets after he kills the Dracus and who gives him some valuable information about the Chandrian. I apologize for any echoing you might hear. I'm not in my usual pod setup, so please bear with me today as I roll right into seven things we know about Nina. Number one, her real name, her full name, her true name is Verenia Greyflock, and Quoth essentially names her by guessing her nickname is Nina, which she says is what her grand calls her. Number two, Nina is friends with the youngest Mothin son. Number three, she makes paints and glaze for pots with her mom. Number four, she is very religious, much like the other folks in Traben. Number five, Cloth describes her as being shy and having very expressive eyes that change with her moods. Number six, She doesn't mind, you know, breaking into a church and ripping out a page of a book to paint some demons, but she's afraid of her mom beating her butt if she gets back home late. Number seven, though she is able to describe some of the Chandrian and their signs, she never calls them the Chandrian and only refers to them as demons. Now, Nina is a character whom Quoth has very little interaction with, but who has a pretty major impact being the only known person to see the vase on the Mothan farm and live to tell the tale. She tells Quoth what she saw and then, later in Wise Man's Fear, finds him at the university to give him a drawing she makes of one side of the vase. A feat which requires her getting from Traybun to Imre on at least three separate occasions, I believe, because she understands how important this is to him or perhaps because she believes Telu and his angels have given her this task and she must carry it out. Nina gives us certain things to ponder about the nature of the Chandrian, the nature of angels, and the power of faith. Kvothe is fairly certain that people were killed at the moth and wedding by the Chandrian, but I don't think he fully understands why until Nina tells him what she saw on the vase. She tells him it was about three feet tall, with colors she has never seen, and writing she doesn't understand, and that it shows eight people, though she doesn't give him this detail until later. She says, there was a woman holding a broken sword, and a man next to a dead tree, and another man with a dog biting his leg. She mentions one with white hair and black eyes. Says there was one with no face, just a hood with nothing inside. There was a mirror by his feet and there was a bunch of moons over him, you know, full moon, half moon, sliver moon, and there was a woman with some of her clothes off. When Quoth understands that the vase depicts the Chandrian and their signs, he is able to tie this to his troops murder and infer the Chandrian must work to destroy deep knowledge or repeated mention of themselves. Now, when Kvothe and Nina first meet, she's pretty scared. Um, She says she's been having dreams about the demons coming to get her. So Kvothe makes her a quote-unquote charm out of a piece of metal with some runes on it and recites some lines from Ve Valora Sartan in Temma, which I believe is the only time we hear about this particular play. He tells her the charm will protect her from demons. She hugs him and kisses his cheek, her eyes full of wonder and he tells us this act is extraordinarily important. But there in that room, he says, was the first time I actually felt like any sort of hero. If you are looking for a reason for the man I would eventually become, if you are looking for a beginning, look there. He also says about the charm, she would lose it, not soon, but in a year, or two, or ten. It was human nature, And when that happened, she would be even worse off than before. I take this to mean that when Nina does eventually lose her little charm, she will be so devastated to have lost this protection that maybe the bad dreams will return or that she actually will become unlucky. So he makes her the charm and Nina meets up with him a few months later and tells her him her dreams about the Chandrian coming to get her stop. And she then dreams about the pot, just the one side of it. Three nights in a row. She believes an angel gave her the dream, and so she sneaks into the ruined church, tears some pages out of the Book of the Path, and scrapes off all the words except for the names of Telu and his angels. Then she mixes some paints, does a little practicing, and makes Quoth a depiction of what she saw. Nina's drawing depicts two members of the Chandrian Quoth has seen and interacted with Haliax and Cinder, as well as a member of the Amir which, interestingly, is the one Nina said she was most afraid of. Now, what do we make of Nina's dreams and the assumed fake power of the amulet Quoth makes for her? I think it's possible that just talking to Quoth and receiving the amulet allowed Nina's mind to calm itself and dream of something other than the Chandrian coming to get her. Perhaps it's nothing more than the fact that she already had the vase on her mind and she dreamt about it. Perhaps it's her deep belief in Talu that led her to believe an angel gave her the stream, but we also don't know what the intricate Sigildry was on that disk of bright metal, nor what Quoth's incantation really was after all, Sigildry is a form of magic, isn't it? Perhaps what Quoth did helped unlock Nina's memory or somehow called an angel to her. We don't have too much evidence of the direct influence of angels on the mortal world in these books, but maybe there's a little more at play here than just a girl's religious beliefs. What we call angels were directly guided by Telu to hunt down the Chandrian, right? If so, perhaps it isn't an accident that Nina is able to remember enough of the pot that she can paint it. I also wonder why the pot depicting the Chandrian and their signs was in this area. When Quoth and Denna are examining the area around the farm, Kay decides it must be called Barrow Hill, not Bororill as he heard earlier. This explains why Mr. Mothin dug up stones and bones, but Quoth mentions you don't use these kinds of stones to build barrows, and theorizes they're hundreds of miles away from a true barrow. He thinks the area must be an old hill fort, which, okay, We can't really see it, and we have to trust what he says, so let's assume it was an old hill fort that had somehow, for some reason, a pot with the Chandrian on it buried inside. Did the Chandrian destroy the old fort long ago because someone painted the pot, or did they not know it was there until it resurfaced? Perhaps the fort was once owned by people who either fought with Haliax and his Chandrian or fought against them. I think a very likely option is this fort was used by the Amir, since we see a Siridae rebuking the Chandrian, and there seems to be detailed information about the seven, their signs, and perhaps even their names, painted on the pot in some kind of ancient language that Nina doesn't know. I know there are a few theories online about the hill forts here near Treban being the location of the Drossen Tor linking the old pottery to a very old battle. We know from our real world that pottery can last a long time, so I think this is possible. Lanre slayed a great beast with black scales at Drossentor, and Kvothe does slay a great beast with black scales in Traven. Don't forget that Kvothe and Denna find gray stones near Traven and rest there for a while. Quoth says three of the massive stones were stacked together to form a huge arch, like a massive doorway. What if this is Drossentor, which I noticed on my noted on my last pod? Excuse me, is almost a perfect anagram of Stone Doors. If so, this would have to mean an army occupied the area after this main battle, of course, because Lanre had not yet become Haliax when he slays that great beast again. If someone were to occupy this hill fort and have that depiction of the Chandrian but also a Siri day, perhaps it's most likely the Amir used to occupy this particular area. Kind of a, a side note here that I've been thinking about. So we hear from Quoth's colleagues in the fishery that Nina shows up twice asking about Quoth before she actually meets with him again. According to the folks in the inn at Imre that uh, he talks to in Name of the Wind, It takes several days to get from Traben to Emre by river or vice versa. It's 40 miles by river, more by road. And Nina mentions in Wise Man's Fear, she needs to get down to the docks. um, So we know she's taking a boat. So I guess we are expected to believe that this 14-year-old girl either makes the journey from Traben to Emre three times or is just hanging out in an inn for a few days while she's looking for cloth. And the journey is at least two days each way. So she spends at the very least, more than a span, trying to find Quoth at the university, and she doesn't even know his name. We know that she's friends with Jimmy Mothin, so maybe her parents have a lot of money, but man, that's a lot of time and probably a lot of money for this kid just to to travel all the way just to give this guy a painting. And all she gets in return is a piece of scrap metal and some words out of a play. Quoth doesn't even write her a thank you card. And, uh, she says she spends so much time at the university that her mom thinks she has a boyfriend there. I mean, I know there was no, like, Tinder or Bumble or anything back then, but is it customary for a 14-year-old kid to have a boyfriend 40 miles away? I, I, I just don't get this one. So if you're imbibing a beverage while you're listening to this podcast, raise a darn glass to Nina, who is brave, um who is determined and who is a fairly good artist and gives both a bit of a scare as she's asking about him in the university, but is able to get to him and give him this invaluable drawing of the Chandrian that she writes on pretty much the pages of the Bible after she scrapes most of the words off. Man, this kid's clever. I hope we see a little more of Nina. Perhaps we'll see more of Traben If um, the Drossentor is there, or if there was a bit of a misdirect in what we assume is Quoth burning down the town of Trayvon, maybe he goes back. You know, maybe he's going to meet her again and try to figure out a little more of this mystery about why there was a hillfort buried there with a Chandrian pot. Who knows? I hope everyone enjoyed this little podcast. I hope for you it was entirely the right sort of podcast, not entirely the wrong sort of podcast. I hope everyone's doing well, that you're staying healthy. Thanks for being here and tuning in with me. A reminder, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook at ETRSOP, and you can email me your questions, comments, concerns, queries, thoughts, whatever, ETRSOP at gmail.com. I'm going to say goodbye for now. And as always, may all your stories be glad ones, and your roads be smooth and short.